Welcome back. We are in Esther chapter 8. Let's go, Esther chapter 8. All right, so we've got a couple big players in play here. We've got King Ahasuerus, which we believe is King Xerxes, married to Queen Esther. Formerly, he was married to Queen Vashti. He got drunk, made a mistake, and had to get her out of office because of his mistake. Now he's got Queen Esther, who is awesome and strong, but she's Jewish, and he didn't know that when he married her. Then she gained favor favor in his eyes, and he learned of the plot that Haman had devised against the Jews, and the king signed the decree to kill all the Jewish people, and Queen Esther goes pleading to him, has a banquet for him and his right-hand man, Haman. Haman's the one who concocted this whole scheme against the Jewish people because he was prideful and greedy and angry at Mordecai. So he said, you know what? I'll just wipe out all of the Jewish people. So it backfired on him. And the king actually said, no, it's not the Jewish people who should be killed now or Mordecai. It is you, Haman. And so he had Haman killed. So that's what's been taking place. And now you're kind of seeing the redemption that we're going to see here in chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. So the king gave to the queen the house of Haman. Haman is the one who wanted all the Jewish people to be annihilated. That decree is still out there to annihilate all of the Jewish people. And the king is giving a lot of power to the queen and he had king that he had Haman killed. So Haman had this big plan. You saw um, in throughout history, the Israel uh, Israel's enemies have tried to wipe them out. Why? Because the Satan, the devil, wants to wipe out Israel. He thinks if I can get rid of Israel and all the Jewish people, then I don't have to worry about you know Jesus. He's wrong. He tried to annihilate them with Hitler, for example, and they came back even stronger. Yes, a lot of people were hurt, and it's very sad. In 1948, though, they came together as a country, uh, as a nation, once again. We've seen battles against them throughout history since then, too. Right now, we've got the uh, some Palestinians who are trying to take them down. It's not going to work. It's going to backfire on Palestine, unfortunately, right? There's a lot of innocent people, a lot of people who are... Uh, hurt and affected by this, and we pray for all of them. We pray that those who believe in Jesus will come to believe, know him more strongly, and have a better relationship, and we pray that those who don't know him on both sides, on the Palestinian side and on the Israeli side, will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what we want through everything, through every great circumstance and trophy and reward, and through every tough circumstance and trial and bad situation and jail and death and sickness and job loss and money problems and hunger problems and all of that. We want Jesus to come out on top all the time. Everybody looking to Jesus, asking Jesus into their life to help them and placing their faith in Jesus and knowing that we are to set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth, right? It's because for a Christian, the Bible tells us, God tells us through the Bible, that you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We don't need to worry about the things on this earth anymore. We just need to do our best to be a wonderful example in deeds and in words for Jesus. All right, so verse 2. Uh, actually, the back half of verse 1 says, And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. So 
Esther told the queen, king, her husband, that Mordecai was related to her. Verse 2, so the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. Ooh, and Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. So Haman gets demoted to the point of death. Mordecai gets promoted to basically the, let's call him the right-hand man of the king at this point. He's going to have a lot of power. We saw this in um, Joseph, the story of Joseph in Genesis that we studied. Joseph was, his, his brothers were jealous of him. They didn't like the attention that he got from his dad above them. So they concocted a scheme to kill him. And then they said, no, rather than kill him, let's at least profit from him. So they sold him to slave traders. And they thought they had won. Their dad was sad about it. They probably had regret about it. And Joseph ended up rising to the top, being number two in command of all of Egypt, just behind the Pharaoh. And then he went to prison. Then he came back out. And God elevated him, right? God was working behind the scenes. Genesis fifty twenty, what the enemy intends for evil, God means for good, right? So we're seeing that here in Mordecai. Mordecai was supposed to be killed. He was sad. He put on his sackcloth. He was mourning. He wouldn't get dressed in better clothes. Now his enemy, Haman, has been killed. And he himself, Mordecai, is elevated to this huge position in this very important region and country. Verse 3. Now, and the application there is God's working behind the scenes. Mordecai couldn't see it at the time. Esther couldn't see it at the time. We can see it because we're looking back, and hindsight is twenty twenty vision. But in your life, if you're going through something tough, just trust in Jesus. Trust that this pain, whatever you have in this life, it's not going to be in the next life, not in heaven with you. No. It may continue in this life for quite some time, maybe for the rest of your life. But if you trust in Jesus and let your heart be with Jesus and your deeds and your words follow, then he can use you to win others to Christ and to grow a relationship between you and himself. All right? But it starts with us submitting. It starts with us saying, we're not in charge. We're not God. You are not idolizing or worshiping ourselves or desiring that people around us worship us. But submitting, surrendering, serving, humbling, living with humility, and putting others above us, right? The first will be last, and the last will be first. Verse 3, Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agitite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. So what happened here? Remember Haman got the king drunk and convinced him to send out this decree to kill all the Jewish people on one certain day. And Esther's saying, okay, you got rid of Haman. Fine. He's the one who concocted this whole scheme. But now we still have this problem with this decree that you put out there. And under Persian law, once a king puts something into law, he can't revoke it. It is irrevocable. Even by the king, the king himself cannot revoke this. So she's saying, what are you going to do to help me with my, with my brothers and sisters, my, my Jewish uh, community, because they're all going to be killed on one day? What are we going to do? And she risked it, right? Because she, again, could have been killed for, by the king for doing this, because this was essentially out of order, but he could excuse it, if you will, and kind of pardon this behavior. In verse 4, 
and the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. Ah, there we go. He hung out the golden scepter. Why? That means he doesn't want her killed. He wants to, you know, listen to her and invite her in and, you know, have this conversation essentially is is what's going on in my words, right? But basically he said, I'm not going to kill you for doing this. I am going to uh, excuse you and let's have this conversation. So it says, so Esther arose and stood before the king and said, if it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agitite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? So she's basically pleading with her husband, the king, King Xerxes. And she's saying, all my people are going to be killed. What can you do to help me? Please. Verse 7. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hands on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews, as you please, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. What's going on here? We're learning more about decrees. We're learning that once a decree is put in place, it's got the king's name, it's got his signet ring, which is basically like a ring on his finger. It's got a uh, some kind of emblem, shield, whatever you want to call it, and he puts it in the wax, and it's like a notary uh, stamp, if you will. It's saying, can't be revoked. So he said, I already did that one. But now I'm giving you the power to do whatever you want to do in my name, with my authority. You got the signet ring, so it's going to be just as legit as that decree that says to kill all the Jewish people. What are you What are you going to do? Right? So he's basically putting it in their hands, saying, be smart, figure this out, be tactical. Verse 9. So the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month which is the month of Sivan on the 23rd day and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews the satraps the governors and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia 127 provinces in all to every province and its own script to every people in their own language and to the Jews in their own script and language verse 10 and he wrote in the name of the king Ahasuerus sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback riding on royal horses, bred from swift steeds. So what they do? They came up with a new decree. They're sending it out to all the people and all the regions and all the languages, so it's very plain, and it's got to be done quickly. Um, verse 11. Yeah, we'll pick up on that tomorrow. We'll pick up on verse 11 tomorrow. So, find your application today to apply to your life, right? We observe the text, we interpreted what it means, and we apply it, which is what does it mean to me? How can I actually put it into play? One of the big takeaways is just trusting God. He was working behind the scenes for Esther and Mordecai. He knew it was going to happen, but yet they had their own free will to make their own decisions. Trust in God. Trust Him with the process. Let Him take the stress away from you. Let Him... Take away the, the control that you think you have or you want to have so that you can live a life of freedom, a life of greater peace, a life of greater joy that you can share Christ with people. Lord, thank you so much. Help us to trust you more. Help us to focus on heavenly things and not on earthly things. Help us not to get sidetrapped 
um, booby trapped and uh, taken away from the things of the heavenly things because the devil wants us to focus on all these things of the earth. Help us to tell people about you and trust in you today, right here, right now. In your amazing name, amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.